Christianity is not a matter of us climbing the ladder at all, any of us. It's about Jesus climbing down to us. It's about his descent. I mean, this is what Paul says in Romans. Who Don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven to bring Christ down. Don't say who will descend to bring him up from the dead. But rather know that the word of God is near to you. It's in the very word that's preached. And in the preached word in the gospel, Christ himself, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three draw near to us to give us the gifts of forgiveness and life and salvation. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. How are you? Good, Evan. How are you? Doing wonderful. Uh, just spent a little bit of time in the car again. I think last time we talked, uh, did, well, you did too. Did you drive the speed limit on the way down? Yes, at least. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I got pulled over recently, and uh, I, I found a few things you're not supposed to say to the cops when they pull you over. Let's have it. Well, um, when you said you know you were, you were speeding, I, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize my radar detector was off. <laughs> and then I asked him if he was a member of the village people. Oh, man. And that didn't turn out so well. Um, but when he started to write me a ticket, I informed him that I pay his salary, so might want to think otherwise. I thought you would have said when he asked for your license, you said, you guys need to get your act together. You just, another one of you just took it away from me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great show, though, uh, planned for Table Talk Radio today. Um, starting out if you understand with... planned in the loose sense of the word, I think. <laughs> uh, well, we're starting out with bumper sticker theology. This was an invention by Pastor Wolf Miller. Do you just drive around looking for bumper stickers to talk about? That's how I learned theology, from reading bumper stickers. <laughs> After that, uh, we, we're going to be talking about which ladder. We'll have to explain that uh, further as we go on. That's my favorite game that we ever You always played. have favorite games. <laughs> And then uh, the third segment we're doing, uh, one of these things is not like the other. And we, we have, it's like a hockey game. We have three quarters. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to a fourth quarter and we'll see what we have left over. It'll be like a table talk overtime. <laughs> okay, well, let's begin. Uh, you, you have a few bumper sugars here. And the first one uh, is, it says coexist. But uh, the letters are, are formed with uh, certain symbols. Yeah, why don't you explain what we see here? Well, we have the uh, crescent moon, which uh, I think is the logo for the, the Muslim faith. Is that correct? Muslim logo. If you, yeah. The symbol. logo. <laughs> symbol. <laughs> Their trademark. <laughs> yeah, Mohammed's brand. <laughs> okay. And then also we have a peace sign for the O. Uh, there's nothing special about the E, is there? Sometimes, you can't see it on this, sometimes it'll say E and it'll have a little equals MC squared above it for the oh, scientist. yeah. You can't see it. on. I don't think it's on this per- picture that we have. Okay. And then uh, the X is the, uh, the the Star of David. Anything special about the I? The I has a um, yin-yang for the dot. Okay. You really gave me a really crappy picture. Well, <laughs> no, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. It does have it, but uh, we got the wrong coexist bumper sticker. Normally the I will have a Dharma wheel above it, and then oh, okay. the S will be a yin-yang. 
And then, of course, the last uh, one is the T, which is the cross. So what is the theology that's being taught in this uh, bumper sticker? So you have all the major religions there. You, you have Islam, you have scientific rationalism, you have Judaism, Buddhism, Taoism, and Christianity. And they're all put together uh, under the banner of coexistence. This is what we, um, this is what we would call unionism, uh, which is that all religions um, should peacefully exist together. It's, it's really the idea, it's kind of a unitarian idea, that, um, that there are many paths uh, to the same place. All roads uh, lead to heaven. It, the, the differences between the religions uh, should, not, um, should not lead to violence, and we can agree with that. Uh, but they should really be ignored, and there should perhaps we should just kind of it's it's kind of this theology. We should all just get along. The trouble, of course, uh, with this theology that we, we should all get along with each other. That's fine. We should love our neighbors ourselves, even Jesus says. But but we realize that uh, that these these theologies teach different things, and we can't just simply ignore the differences. If you ignore the distinctives between the different religions, then you you have no religion left. If, for example, we were to ignore what Jesus says when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, that's in, in John chapter 14. If we were to ignore that and say that there's a lot of different ways to the Father, then we wouldn't have our Christianity. So while we can live peacefully with one another, we, we don't want um, we, we to pretend like there's no differences between the different faiths. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking, I was talking uh, last night with some people about uh, kind of the teachings of postmodernism today, uh, that they are, are unwilling to to be so assumptuous to say that this is uh, the truth or this is um, the objective truth. Uh, postmodernism teaches that we should be discovering these things uh, for ourselves. What might be true for me might not necessarily be true for you. And so uh, with this bumper sticker, maybe fall on, on a car of, of some that subscribes this theology that, well, this is right for me, that's right for you, and so we can all coexist. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it seems to the modern mind there is a great kind of pride and arrogance to the statement, I'm right. I mean, no one can be right then. But even then, you know, you get into this great contradiction of postmodernism, which is uh, if no one's right, then you can't even be right about being wrong. <laughs> you, you can't say anything at all. It's self-refuting. Right, that's right. But, but we, have to, we have to hold to the truth of our scriptures. We, we can't just go giving them up uh, because it's in the truth of the scriptures, in the truth of Christ crucified, that we find our life and salvation. Well, uh, should we move on to the next bumper sticker? This one's actually pretty serious, I think. Yeah. It, it's, it's heavy. Uh, but it says, if you can't trust me with a choice, how can you trust me with a child? Um, but, of course, the choice that, that there's uh, speaking of is the, uh, the choice for to have a, an abortion. That's right. And so the logic here is that if you cannot trust me with a choice of whether to, whether to have uh, a baby or to abort a baby, then how can you trust me with the baby itself? It's kind of a strange circular argument. It's perhaps an emotional argument. The argument itself doesn't make sense. But it lets us talk about abortion then anyways, and what's called uh, the pro-choice movement, which is, we don't want to, perhaps one of the problems with our modern society, and this is maybe a little bit off topic, is that we have too many choices to begin with. So that we think then that we have choices about everything. But there are simply some things that, that nature, as well as God himself, have not given us choices about. For example, you do not have the choice to go and, and kill somebody else. You do not have the choice to murder. 
You don't have the choice to go and uh, uh, and have sexual relationships with any any person that you see. You don't have that choice. That we call that the first crime, murder. The second crime, we call that rape. You don't have the choice to just go and take anything you want. That's that's stealing. You do not have those. You do not have those choices. You don't. You do not have the choice to commit a crime. And, and when it comes to this business with abortion, we have to just say absolutely uh, clearly. That abortion is a crime. It's it's the crime of murder. You take life, uh, life in the womb, and you end it. And, and so this whole business of choice, we have to say simply that it, when it comes to committing a crime, you don't have a choice to do it. It's like saying this. If you can't trust me with the choice to, to kill or not kill my husband, how can you trust me with the choice to be married? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it's also equating the child with a choice in the sense that, you know, if you don't think I'm responsible enough to make a choice, I wouldn't be responsible enough to make a child. Well, hey, look, a child is a, is a gift from God. It's not just, you know, a car that you have that you need to take care of. It's, it's, a, it's a gift from God that you, that you uh, take care of. And so uh, it's, not rec- it's recognized as kind of an of a obligation that's taking away from, from your wants and desires. Yeah, that's exactly right, which is terrible. Because we understand children as a burden, uh, it leads to this whole culture of killing them, which is just simply terrible. Because not only is it terrible to end the life of a baby in the womb, which is just completely incomprehensible, but often parents who have children see their children as a burden. And they're, they're doing all sorts of little things to, to kill their children in their mistreating of them or their sending them off and not caring for them as they've been given to because they understand these children as a burden to them. But, but this is really a terrible understanding. Of course, the whole abortion business is built on the idea that there's a distinction between a baby in the womb and a baby outside of the womb. But that, that distinction simply just does not exist rationally, scientifically. There, there's no distinction between that baby the moment before they're born and the moment after. And in the whole process of their... Uh, being formed in the womb. And so because you cannot make that distinction, then we understand that it's life from the very moment of conception uh, until, well, until the, until the person is born and eventually dies. Hey, we just have a couple minutes left. Uh, let's hit this, uh, this last bumper sticker. It's a familiar font and, and color. It's the font and, and color of the commercial for milk, Got Milk. But this one says Got Jesus. Uh, what is the theology behind this bumper sticker? This is a this is a good opportunity to talk about perhaps Christian marketing or something like this because it seems like there's a bunch of uh, geniuses out there who sit around and look at different secular marketing campaigns like the milk one. You know, they take celebrities and put Elmer's glue on their lip and then uh, and take a picture of them and have the milk business. Uh, and they, they really say, put glue on their on their lips. What? A, how can you get? Have you ever seen milk to be so still and white? Maybe it's some sort of chalk or something. It All right, can't I don't be. know. <laughs> but anyways, it, uh, they they put it on there and they and then they say uh, they got milk. You, you do this with same thing. We'll just take out milk and put Jesus in there. And you see this all over the place. You just take some sort of secular thing and you uh, you just change it and make it seem Christian. But does that does it make it Christian? I mean, this is uh, this is just really silliness. We don't need it, you know. You don't need that sort of thing. The Lord has given us his word to be preached, to be read, to be understood, and so we want to we want to simply uh, always be holding forth the Lord's words and really be avoiding bumper sticker theology, uh, but be pursuing a serious understanding of the Lord's word and of his gifts to us. 
But if people don't avoid bumper sticker theology, then Table Talker, you always be here to bring it to you, our <laughs> listeners. That's right. Next up, you got Pastor Wolfmiller's favorite game, uh, Which Ladder, right after this break on Table Talker. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. Hey, don't forget to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. A lot of great resources there, including our Skype cast. We have a few people listening on our Skype cast as we record. Here's the deal. You can go on our website, click on the Skype cast page, and it tells you when we're recording next. And then you can log on to our website when we're recording next, and then listen to us as we record, and even call in with questions using Skype. So that's neat. Uh, Also, you can send us questions. Um, to the email address, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Are you impressed? Do you remember that number? I am very impressed. (laughs) I've got no... I didn't even remember that it was 866. Oh, so you're... uh, You've been calling the wrong number. (laughs) I heard people were trying to plant questions. (laughs) Leave a prank call, and I've been calling someone else. <laughs> oh, man. Well, next up we've got Witch Ladder. Uh, Pastor Wolfmutter, I'm going to let you describe this game because you're the one that's read the book and not me. So That's right. This, yeah. this, this game is based on a book by Adolf Caberly called The Quest for Holiness. Uh, it's a pretty uh, dense theological book, but he, may, he gives us brilliant insight. He's a Lutheran theologian, and this is based on his understanding of Luther. He says that there's... There's basically three ladders that men erect to climb into heaven, that all man-made religions then are uh, some form of of these three different stairways to heaven. And the three different ladders are the ladder of moralism, the ladder of mysticism, and the matter of uh, the matter, the ladder of rationalism. These three. So, what are they? This, the way the game works is we'll talk about what these three ladders are, and then we'll listen to a clip or read some sort of clip of a man-made religion, and we'll try to figure out which ladder this religion is having us climb uh, to attain heaven. Of course, all the ladders that men build to reach into heaven uh, cannot reach there. So, we we want to come back at the end and talk about uh, the connection between heaven and earth, the ladder that Christ Himself climbed down, which is given away the answer. But here are the three ladders again, moralism. This is the ladder of the will, the ladder of good works, the ladder of uh, our own efforts and intentions making us good enough for God. The second ladder is the ladder of mysticism, which is the ladder of emotions. Uh, It is the attempt by uh, by some sort of ecstatic experience to be close to God and the divine. And the third ladder is the ladder of rationalism, the ladder of the mind. That is, through intellectual understanding and insight, uh, we reach up into heaven. So those are the three ladders that, uh, that men will build, and really the bigger and stronger the religion, the more they'll contain a little bit of each of those ladders, uh, so that you'll get, an, uh, for example, in one, in one of these false churches, you might get a strong emphasis on moralism, but it also has mystic and rationalistic uh, elements in it. So that's the game. We're going to hear a clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about what ladder uh, it's having us climb. So as people hear this clip, they can kind of play along and try and figure out which ladder it is before we give, give away the answer. That's right. They can say, is this telling me that I need to be good enough, the moral ladder, that I need to be happy enough or ecstatic enough, the mystical ladder, or that I need to be smart enough, uh, the rational ladder? 
All right, well, here is a clip. This is from the Oprah Winfrey Show, uh, and we'll figure out which letter this is. I thought is. we were going to have Oprah live in studio with oh, well, us for this. She canceled on us, so we have to, <laughs> we have to settle for a clip. Do you believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, now, Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other, that all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks, which, which is, anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway, uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world that there are millions of ways to be a then human how do being you please god? And, and many ways no but many paths many to what you call god that and is her path crazy. might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light but her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her if it brings her to the same point that it brings you it doesn't matter whether she called it god along the way or not and i guess the danger that could be on that i mean it it sounds great on the onset but if you really look at both sides I there could couldn't possibly be just one way what what about jesus what about jesus All right, well, there's the clip. I Just to make a note that this kind of arguing is uh, extremely distasteful for your peace-loving Table Talk radio host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to get into any kind of arguments or anything like this, so oof, this really kind of puts me out of you my really went postmodern on me over that, over that clip. <laughs> Whew. Okay, well, uh, they which, were going after it, huh? Which, we, we have the woman that was at the, at the microphone at the beginning and said, "Look, um, there's good and evil. You can choose which one." But really, I think what we're focusing on is the is the Oprah clip. What Oprah said uh, concerning uh, you know there being millions of ways to God. Yeah, there can't be just one way. She said, it's kinda, "I bet she has a coexist bumper sticker on her car." <laughs> <laughs> on her cars. <laughs> yeah, sorry. On her plane. I think uh, what's really interesting about this idea is she, you, there can't just be one way. And, and then – so Oprah says, look, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you call your God, if you call it God or if you call – um, if you call it the light, as long as it gets you doing the right things. And what did she say about Jesus, Evan? You have to remind me. Something about uh, uh, if you've never heard the name of Jesus and yet you still what? what? Yeah, I wrote that down. Uh, you live as Jesus wanted you to live or Jesus would have you live. Yeah. And, ha and how do you think that is for Oprah? How do you think it is that Jesus would have us live? Well, Oprah is a very giving person. And I don't think anyone can deny that. She gives away money all the time and 
and uh, all this stuff. In fact, uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I'm going to the seminary, the Oprah Foundation is giving some money for Fort Wayne to uh, repair their walkways or something like that. So I mean, she she does give. So I, I guess if you give, is it is it possible then to achieve heaven? Perhaps that that for her is the example of Jesus that he was giving, that he was sacrificial, that he didn't keep things for himself, but but that he cared about others. So Jesus stands as the kind of as the idol of compassion, so that. Uh, uh, so that if you are compassionate and if you are loving and if you are all of these sorts of things, it doesn't matter what name your God has, uh, you still will uh, will reach into heaven. Uh, what ladder do you think that is? Um, to me, that sounds like moralism or the will. Yeah, I think you're right. It is simply just a matter of being good so that Oprah can say it doesn't matter the name of your God. It simply matters that whatever your beliefs are, they take you to they take you to the place where you're where you're living and serving others. And that's where she said, uh, "Does it matter? Um, does God look at your heart, or does he or does he want you to call his son Jesus?" In other words, it doesn't matter if you if you name my son Jesus. I I care about what you, what your heart looks like. Yeah, and the way that we have to respond to this is that we're. We are, as Christians, just as human beings, but as humans who are, call, who are served by God, we are called to rejoice in the things that he gives us. We don't get to pick and choose the good gifts that God gives. And one of the greatest gifts of all that God gives is the gift of his name. In fact, we, we have this commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And God's name is so fantastically important to him. It's Psalm, is it, it, Psalm 8 seems to come to mind where it says, my name and my word I have exalted above all else. You see, God does not want us to have some sort of general or vague idea about who he is. He wants us to know him, to call upon his name, to turn to him in every time of trouble. So if we just take away those things that God's given us, the good gift of his name and all of this sort of thing, then uh, then we just have our own, uh, the, the gods of our own making, which these gods of our own making and these ladders that we put up, they, they don't reach to heaven. I mean, we have the song, we are climbing Jacob's ladder, put in the backtrack. We are, <laughs> but, but it's not a matter, Christianity is not a matter of us climbing the ladder at all, any of us. It's about Jesus climbing down to us. It's about his descent. I mean, this is what Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 6, 7, and 8. Who will, who, don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven to bring Christ down. Don't say who will descend to bring him up from the dead. But rather know that the word of God is near to you. In the, it's in the very word that's preached. And in the preached word and the gospel, Christ himself, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three draw near to us to give us the gifts of forgiveness and life and salvation. When I was in college, um, I had really in a sense, just started going to the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church uh, from the from the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And um, uh, Amazon, you know how they recommend certain books to you based on books you've bought previously? They, they recommended a book to me uh, by Gerhard O. Forty, uh, Where God Meets Man, Luther's Down-to-Earth Approach to the Gospel. So I read it, and I was blown away because I have never seen the gospel in that way. And it ex- describes exactly what you're talking about now, that, that God comes to us. He comes down to us. It's not that we, there is no ladder to heaven. It, it, it's a, uh, it's a, 
escalator that goes down only. That's in, right. From God to us. One way. Uh, Christ's descent into our sin and our death. And that's the only way we have salvation. So the point of this whole game is that we take the ladders that we ourselves have, the, the, the idea of our own goodness, of our own experiences, and of our own understanding. We take these ladders and we throw them in the fire so that we can have the one ladder which matters which is the cross of Christ and his death for us. Great. Well, next up on Table Talk Radio, we're going to do a throwback to Sesame Street and play a little game. One of these things is not like the other. Don't go away here on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio, uh, playing the game, one of these things is not like the other. Pastor Wolfman, do you want to uh, describe what's going on in this game? No, I just want everyone to know it's my favorite. That's all you ever care about. <laughs> well, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, a few... Well, you wrote the article on this uh, for your church. Oh, yeah, that's all right. But it, this is, uh, we're going to apply this game to this article. So we can, we can do... First, the game is that we're going to have different theological quotations. Uh, the kind of the more obscure, the better, perhaps, on this game, uh, and then we try to read them with interesting voices so that everyone doesn't fall asleep. We want to, <laughs> one of the most careful things we want to be is we don't want to be liable for putting people to sleep at the wheel while they're driving because this is a huge career risk. So, uh, it, it, take these obscure theological quotes, read them in exciting voices. And then we want to find out what is the same about all of them. Now, it so happens that today we have four quotations that are all the same. We better, in the meantime, find one that's different. Uh, I'm on that. I've got it already. I thought of it. So we have four quotations, and we're going to read them, and we're going to say, what is similar about them? And the amazing thing about this is that they come from such diverse uh, places. So we have different official statements of faith. We read them and we try to figure out what's the same. Now, the topic today for the game is the topic of original sin. So we're going to hear four different quotations and I, I can read them and you can guess, or do you have it in front of you, the article? Yeah, I got it. All right. So that's kind of cheating. You can uh, talk about where they come from and then we can try to figure out the similarity between all of them uh, and then talk about the problem in that. So that's, I guess, how the game works. Are there? I don't know if there's points on the line, if you win anything, or I don't even know what tell the game part of this what, game is. You, the listener, if you get all these right, just email me, at evan at tabletalkradio.org, and I'll... I'll send you a congratulations we can send them a copy of this article that that sounds great yeah. or you can just look at our website and, and download it from there <laughs> well uh, can i play the theme music then for this yeah game? yeah let's hear it <laughs> yeah one of these things is not like the others which one is different <laughs> this, brings, this is a good tell throwback. me which thing <laughs> is not like the others and i'll tell you if it is so I thought I remember Bert or Ernie singing it. Oh, yeah. I, I have one of, of Bert, too. I want to get a little voice of Elmo congratulating people when they get it right. But <laughs> time was of the essence. Okay, so why don't you read this first, first uh, quote, then? Okay, first, here's our first quotation. Uh, listen closely. Remember the topic, original sin. Man is responsible for sin because he's endowed with free will. Yet he is by nature frail, and the tendency of the mind 
is to evil. There's the first quote. You want to guess where that's from, by the way? Hmm. hmm. Looking towards the bottom of the article, I already know the answer. Um, but really, when I was reading through this before, I, I really didn't know. I, I, I couldn't guess. Um, but I do know, because I'm holding the article, that it is from the uh, Jewish Encyclopedia. Yeah, so that's the Jewish doctrine of original sin, that man is endowed with free will, yet by nature frail, and has a ten- his, the tendency of the mind is towards evil. So you've got that in your mind. Now we're coming to the second quotation. So listen for the similar wording here in the second one. Are you ready? Yes. By his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity inherit a nature and an environment inclined toward sin. Therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral action, they become transgressors and are under condemnation. Okay, there's the second quotation. I I know where that one's from. (laughs) Is that one from the Jewish Encyclopedia? (laughs) No. Oh, well, oh. Well, <laughs> the first one was. Oh, well, they, uh, they're a lot alike, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, what was the similar thing? Did you notice? Um, that, that man has the, fr- the free choice but uh, goes naturally against God. Yeah, and this language here, ha- inherit a nature that is inclined towards sin. That actually... Uh, it's just an inclination, then? It's, it's exactly right. It's an inclination to sin. Just like in the first one, we had the tendency of the mind to do evil. So inclination and tendency. This second quotation comes from the Baptist faith and message from the year 2000. Uh, so there you go. Jewish Encyclopedia, Baptist faith and message, they agree with each other on this. Well, what do you have to say about that? You ready for quotation three? I'm ready. Original sin is a deprivation of original holiness and justice. But human nature has not been totally corrupted. It's wounded in the natural powers proper to it, subject to ignorance, suffering, and the dominion and death, and inclined to sin, an inclination to evil that's called concupiscence. Um, I want to know how then, if, uh, if one can be if original sin is deprivation, how can that be completely, because it's not totally corrupted, according to this, this quote says? Yeah, that's right. The, man's nature is not totally corrupted. It's a deprivation, but it's not a total depravity. Uh, and again, we get the same exact language, that that human nature is subject and in, to an inclination to sin. Exactly the same as the Southern Baptist Statement of Faith. Exactly the same, really, as the Jewish Encyclopedia. And do you know where this comes from? This one actually comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, page 405. That's exactly right. Good guess, Evan. <laughs> I was even able to guess the page number. <laughs> so now we're, so we're, we're starting to see a similar pattern here, aren't we? I mean, what's the pattern? What's, what's beginning to emerge? Well, man has a tendency to sin, although not completely uh, corrupt, so therefore he has some free will to do good. That's right. That's right. Here's the fourth quotation. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you who are listening ready? <laughs> That's a good sound. <laughs> no, here it is. Nor do I absolve my own self of blame. The human soul is certainly prone to evil, unless my Lord does bestow his mercy. But surely my Lord is often forgiving. And most merciful. Hmm. I do not absolve myself of blame. It says here, and this is the, what the, the part that matters. The human soul is certainly 
prone 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 to, to evil to evil hmm so it's a uh, likely but not completely necessary yeah like the jewish uh encyclopedia said that there's a tendency to do evil uh the southern baptist statement of faith and the catholic catechism said that man has an inclination to do evil in this last quotation we say that human nature that humans the human soul is prone to evil and this comes from the quran uh, surah 12 uh, verse 53 so that, so that the Koran, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Baptist Faith and Message, and the Jewish Encyclopedia all are saying the same thing about our sinful condition. And that is simply that we have a tendency towards sin, but we're not totally given over to it. Okay, so then um, uh, what then is the quote that you had uh, discovered then you want to uh, would be one that is not like the other? Well, uh, what about this? None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. So how many, how many understand? None. How many are, are good? None. Who seeks after God? No one. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes." I would like to guess where this comes from. Yes. Is this from the Holy Christian faith? It is. Yes. In in fact, from the Holy Scriptures. I mean, this is what Paul, in his great denunciation of man's goodness in the first three chapters of Romans, says. And he, he pulls together all these different quotations from all these different psalms. Uh, so, so Paul is, is rather than finding the unity in all these different religions, Paul is, is coming to the unity of the prophets and the Psalms, and he says, look, we're totally given towards sin, totally given over to it, totally dead in trespasses. It's not an inclination. It's not a, a tendency. It's not a, a proneness. It's a complete captivity to sin. And, and so the scriptures teach us, then rather than having the free will to do good or not, this sort of thing. It says, no, we, we are totally sunk in sin and death. And uh, this, is, this is what comes to my mind when we talk about this. It's the question of, of where we get our, uh, our, our sin, our, our original sin. And it is inherent from Adam, uh, is it not? Yes. And so um, if, if we inherit sin from Adam, then um, Christ is the, the antitype, the, the second Adam. And so, therefore, we are, we are given his righteousness. So if we aren't fully recognizing that we inherit complete sin from Adam, how then can we recognize that we receive complete righteousness from Christ? No, that's exactly right. I mean, if we do not know how bad it is, if, and this is what you get, if sin is just a tendency. Look, if you, Evan, if you have a tendency to pick your nose in public, right, it's a tendency. How but, did you know? <laughs> Ah, that's why we always go in private to record these shows. I know. <laughs> if you have got this tendency to do it, then what's the solution to, to going against a tendency? It's to stop. Evan, I'm going to, you know, put a little jalapeno pepper on your uh, finger, you know, and you try to stop it yourself. If you've got a tendency, then you fight against it with your own efforts. But if, it's, if you are born with your finger stuck in your nose, there's nothing you can do to stop it. You've got to have someone come and surgically remove it or whatever it is. I mean, that's a silly kind of example. But it's the point here. If our sin is a tendency, then it's up to us to not do it, to fix it. But if our sin is what we inherit, it's, 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 it's clinging 
clinging to our nature, then it takes someone else to come and fix it for us. We cannot, by our own efforts, fight against sin. We simply depend on Christ in his fight against sin, which is his death and his resurrection. Pastor Wolfmuller, do we have any leftovers for the final segment? Uh, yeah, I think we got to answer some of the questions that Oprah asked. All right, so here we go. More Table Talk Radio right after this break. We'll be right back. If you're still not full after an hour of Table Talk Radio, listen to Table Scraps, the internet-exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio. On Table Scraps, you will hear additional interviews and discussions, and it's only available on tabletalkradio.org. Sticking around on Table Talk Radio, last segment of the program. We have a little bit of leftover here for you here on Table Talk Radio. Uh, from what has just come up over the course of the show, we're going to kind of address those, which was left over. And I guess the first we want to talk more about uh, the issue of original sin here. Yeah, because th- this is so this is like Table Talk dessert. <laughs> dessert, because we already have table scraps on the internet. Right, right. And, and so now the table has been cleared. Uh, the the dishes are are on the kitchen table, and now we have dessert. But we do want to consi- perhaps consider this last thing because we're talking about original sin, and, and you then you got to think if anything about the Christian religion would be obvious. I mean, it would be clear. It would be the confession of our own sinfulness. I mean, proof abounds of man's corruption and of and of man's. Uh, depravity. But really, this is an amazing kind of thing, is that the depth of our sin is an article of faith, not an article of sight. So how bad we are, how dead we are, how trapped in sin we are, this has to be known by the scriptures, not by our own by our own reason. The example that I like to use is, is a man who falls off a ladder. <laughs> we are talking about ladders. <laughs> Look so at after, how it after, all fits together. <laughs> after climbing the ladder of moralism, he falls, and, and what does he realize? That's, well, say he breaks his leg, right? Bwah, crack. Uh, at this point, in t- insert sound effect of leg breaking. <laughs> he breaks his leg, and he says, ah, my leg's broken. And he sits there, and he sees his leg broken, and he feels the pain of it. And he says, I'm really in trouble. I need someone to come along and, and, and help me up. I mean, if you're broken like that, you know it. But what if when the guy falls off the ladder, he not only breaks his leg, but he also breaks his back? So now he's lost all feeling in this place uh, below his back. He, he can't feel he can't feel a thing. He can't feel that he even broke his leg. So a guy who falls and breaks his leg and also breaks his back, he he doesn't even have a sense that something that he's done anything wrong. At least until he tries to move. So the guy who falls off the ladder breaks his leg and breaks his back at the same time. He looks up, someone walks by, and he says, "Oh, just give me a hand up. I can, I can make it to the hospital." You know, he has no idea how broken and how sick he is. And this is our own condition with original sin. We not only have we is our, our mind and our will broken; it's dead. But it's so 
busted that we do not even have a sense of our own sinfulness, of, our, of, of how offensive we are to God. Here, here's a quote from Luther. Are you ready? I'm ready. This hereditary sin, original sin, is so deep and horrible a corruption of nature that no reason can understand it, but it must be learned and believed from the revelation of scriptures. And so here, if you're ready to do your table talk homework, get a pencil and paper and jot out these scriptures. Psalm 51.5, Romans 6.12 and following, Exodus 33, verse 3, and Genesis 3, verse 7 and following. I might also add that um, something you mentioned earlier, that uh, original sin is an article of faith, an article, one of many articles of one doctrine, and um, this is a good example where we see if we get if we get one of the articles wrong, we mess up on one of them, it throws off our entire doctrine. Yeah, that's right. So, so if we think that we're uh, we j- we're just prone to sin, or if we're uh, prone to do evil, although not completely, then our view of justification is off because. Uh, we think, well, we're just prone to this. We can fix it ourselves. We don't really need Christ's righteousness. Yeah, or or we just need Jesus to come along and help us or to strengthen us or to coach us or teach us. So Jesus, instead of becoming the Savior, he becomes the the enlightener, the one who brings empowerment to be able to, that we can now save ourselves. But when we realize that, look, we're stuck, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, the only way out of this business is that Jesus comes along and dies for me and rises for me and pulls me out of this disaster. That's the only hope we have. So so we now, and this is great, because we've got all the comfort, because Jesus is doing all the work. He doesn't leave it to our hands, and he gets all the glory, because he's doing absolutely everything to win our salvation. You suppose we should start cleaning up after Oprah? Yeah, let's do it. What what was the question that was left hanging from her? What about people who never hear of Jesus? People that don't hear of Jesus, what about them? Yeah, yeah, and let's let's flush out the argument. It's somewhat of an emotional argument, but there is some logic behind it too because the way I mean perhaps if you were to sit Oprah down and and tell her, you know, why is this a problem? She would say something like this. Uh, she is arguing that there has to be more ways to bliss that it can't be just one. And so anyone who claims that Jesus is the only way, uh, she argues that, no, that can't be true because there are people who never heard of him. And if people never heard the name of Jesus, then it wouldn't be fair for God to hold them accountable uh, for, their, for what they never knew. And so the, the logic for Oprah of the necessity of believing in Christ falls apart at the claim that it would be unjust to base the judgment on that sort of thing. And we can respond to that in a number of different ways, but let's try two different ways. First, is the, uh, is the gospel just? Is the gospel fair? I mean, one of the things that we... This, this desire for fairness clings to our flesh uh, like uh, something clings tightly to something else. <laughs> How about that for a good, good illustration? Analogy, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, even you don't have to teach kids, hey, uh, that wasn't fair. You should tell your parents that it wasn't fair. No, I mean, this is we were driving over here and the whole time, oh, no, th- th- this isn't fair. Well, someone, she touched me, so I'm going to touch him, this kind of thing, you know, fighting back and forth. Kids, we, we have an instinctive sense of what's fair and what's right, and we really fuss about it if we think that we're getting the unfair part of the deal, see? So that we want to we wanna force God into this idea that he should be fair to us. 
But when we come to the gospel, we realize something. We realize that we're getting something that is not fair at all. I mean, to teach us this, Jesus tells the parable, the workers in the vineyard. Remember, there's these guys, they go out and they work all day. Some guys work for eight hours, some guys work for six, some guys work for three hours, and then some guys, bums, hanging around all day, the master comes and gives them work for an hour, and they line them up, and the guys that worked for an hour, they get paid what? A denarius, right? And then the guys in the back of the line are saying, "Woohoo! if they get a denarius for working one hour, how many are we going to get for working 12 hours? They're already thinking of the wine that they're going to buy on the way home, you know, <laughs> to celebrate with their wife. 12 denarius? I'm going to get paid 12 days' wages for just, uh, you know, for one day of work? This is fantastic. But then things start to fall apart, remember? The next guys come, the guys that only work for three hours, and they get paid a denarius as well. And then the guys that worked six hours, a denarius. The guys that worked eight hours, a denarius. The guys that worked 12 hours, they come and they're paid a denarius. They're paid the same amount of money that the guys that worked for one hour were. And you know what they're saying? This isn't fair. Fair. It's not fair. How can you do that? How can you give us the same that you gave these other guys who sat around in the shade all day and just worked for an hour? It's not fair. And that's exactly the point. It's not fair. The gospel is not fair. The the gifts that Jesus gives to us, we have not deserved or earned. I mean, we we love to have the idea that we earned or deserved this business, but we didn't. If we were to go to God and demand that which is fair, you know what that would be? Well, the Bible tells us the wages of sin, what we earn from sin, is death. And that's just not dying, it's eternal death, that's hell. The, the wages, the things that we've earned, the things that are fair, that's, that's hell. And so if God gives us anything apart from, from eternal destruction, he's giving us a gift, completely unearned, completely undeserved, completely unfair. If we know and hear the name of Jesus, then all we can do for that is rejoice and thank God for it. So when we come before God's face, before his glory, we do not come demanding fairness. No, far from it. Rather, we come begging for his gifts. But there's maybe a couple other things we want to say about this Oprah business. Those people that never heard the name of Jesus, we realize that if people who do not believe in Jesus are judged, that there is no unfairness in this. And we see that emphasized in the scriptures as well. Because whenever the Bible talks about uh, talks about judgment, it talks about being judged for for those things that we did good and those things that we did evil. This is a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, we had the Athanasian Creed, this long Trinitarian Creed a couple a couple weeks ago on Trinity Sunday, and it has this line that Jesus will come and judge and will reward the good for that which they did good and will punish the evil for that which they did evil. And I think the way we understand that is this, is that the Lord, when he comes to judge, the world wants to be judged for its goodness. And so God will say, fine. If you want to have judgment based on what you've done well versus what you've done evil, I'll give you judgment that way. So that the world who demands a judgment on good or on evil will get it. And they will realize on the last day that all that they have done is evil. Because the only way to do good and please God is to have faith and trust in him. Like Hebrews says, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And to then Oprah, I might uh, tell her then, it gives us the reason to go out and proclaim the gospel to all the earth. 
You know, that's that's the reason we have missionaries trying to proclaim the gospel. Um, you know, if if somehow they got a, a a ticket to heaven because it wasn't fair, they'd never heard it. Then we would we would be silent about the gospel, trying to keep it from all people. Yeah, and really the the root of the the root of the question is deferring the question because Oprah there has heard the name of Jesus and yet doesn't believe in it, and that's the real problem, the real danger. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're all out of time here on Table Talk Radio. We hope you enjoyed the dessert uh, here today. But uh, join us again next time on Table Talk Radio. Don't forget to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, and we'll see you again next time. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message. 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.